welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today in our reading, we continue with the chronological order of the Gospels. And we'll be looking at all four Gospels uh, today as we look at the night preceding the crucifixion. Uh, The trials went through the night. We looked at the first three in last week's uh, last reading on the New Testament, which was three days ago, four days ago. And today we'll be looking at those last three trials. So these trials, as I mentioned, were illegal, and these trials take place in Jerusalem throughout the night on Nisan 14, which is the Passover day. We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 27, verses 2 through 30, Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 19, Luke chapter 23, verses 1 through 25, and John chapter 18, beginning with verse 28, down through chapter 19, verse 3. As I mentioned, all of these passages deal with the trials that preceded the crucifixion. That brings us to trial number four, when they take Jesus to Pilate, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 2, Mark 15, 1, Luke 23, 1, and John 18, 28. Matthew 27, 2. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate the governor. Now Mark 15, verse 1. And straightway in the morning the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. Now Luke 23, 1. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him into Pilate. And then finally John 18, verse 28. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas into the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Now, one might get the impression that all of Jerusalem turned out at this point to accuse Jesus from Luke chapter 23, verse 1, where it says, And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. However, we notice from the Matthew and Mark accounts that the of them in Luke chapter 23, verse 1, was actually just the Jewish leaders and their loyal followers. Keep in mind, this appearance before Pilate takes place just after dawn, 6.30 a.m. or so. Jesus had already made three appearances for judgment throughout this night. These Jewish leaders knew that they had a lot to do under the cover of night before the Jewish populace would begin their day. Most Jews would have been completely unaware of the sinister acts of their leaders at this early hour. Now, John mentions the Passover observance plans of some of the Jewish leaders that prevented them from entering the judgment hall where Pilate was passing judgment on Jesus. But wait a minute. Didn't Jesus and his disciples already observe the Passover the night before? Well, it would appear that there was a difference of practice regarding the proper day to celebrate the Passover supper as early as the first century on Nisan 14 or Nisan 15. Today, Jews celebrate Passover on Nisan 15, even though Leviticus 23.5 says, In the fourteenth day of the first month, at even is the Lord's Passover. The first day of the first month is Nisan. Now, if you want to see some clarification on that, I've written an article entitled, What is the Correct Day to Observe the Passover? And you can find that under the topic section of BibleTrack.org. 
Now, only Matthew covers this next uh, subject. What about Judas in Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 through 10? Verse 3. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful for to put them into the treasury, because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. Now, only Matthew here deals with the remorse of Judas and his resulting demise. The word translated repented in the King James Version in verse 3 is not the usual word for repent. This word is melomai. It's only used five times in the New Testament, and it holds the connotation of remorse or regret. Now, the common words for repent, the verb form metanaeo, and repentance, the noun form, metanoia. They're used 58 times in the New Testament, and those words mean a change of mind or attitude. So, using the word metamelomai, Judas regretted having done what he did. However, this remorse did not constitute salvation. Keep in mind the words of Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 70, regarding Judas. Here's what he said. Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? Now, Judas was remorseful that he'd committed a tactical error, as we see in verse 3, where it says, He saw that he was condemned. Well, that wouldn't be the last miscalculation an emissary of Satan would make. Incidentally, regarding the allusion to Jeremiah in verse 9, here's what Ryrie writes in the Ryrie Study Bible. He says this, These words are found in Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 and 13, with allusions to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, and chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. They're ascribed to Jeremiah since, in Jesus' day, the books of the prophets were headed by Jeremiah, not Isaiah, as now. And the quotation is identified by the name of the first book of the group, rather than by the name of the specific book within the group. Similarly, in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Psalms includes all the books known as the Writings because it's the first book of the group. Then we have the account in all four Gospels of Jesus and Pilate. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 11 through 14, Mark chapter 15, verses 2 through 5, Luke 23, verses 2 through 5, and John chapter 18, verses 29 through 38. First, Matthew 27, 11. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now the same account over in Mark chapter 15, beginning with verse 2. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? 
And he answered, saying unto them, Thou sayest it. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now to Luke chapter 23, verse 2. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation, and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate to the chief priest and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. Now, John gives a more expanded account of this occasion, beginning with John chapter 18, verse 29. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the kingdom hall again, and called Jesus, and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? And we had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Now, you can see here that Pilate wants no part of this. He suggests that they take him back and give him a Jewish trial. Not good enough. Look at verse 31. It says, The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. Interestingly enough, if the Jews had executed Jesus, it would have been done illegally by stoning. However, Roman execution is done on a cross. Look at John 18.32. It says that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake signifying what death he should die. Jesus had already prophesied in John 3.14 and again in John chapter 12, verses 31 through 33, that he'd die on a cross. An impossible scenario had the Jews succeeded on those occasions when they sought to kill Jesus. The charge vocalized by the Jewish leadership to Pilate is found in verse 2. It says, And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. While the first two points of the accusation were not true, obviously the three-point charge is designed to make Jesus a Roman security threat so that Pilate cannot simply dismiss Jesus. John records more of the actual conversation between Jesus and Pilate than do the other three writers. 
John notes that Jesus establishes that he's not come to set himself up as king over a physical kingdom with an army. Well, that comes later in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 21. Jesus reasons that were those his intentions, he would have defended himself from being taken in the garden with his own army. Pilate is convinced that Jesus isn't guilty of a conspiracy to overthrow the Roman government, as the Jewish leaders claim. Therefore, Pilate finds Jesus innocent of wrongdoing. But prophecy is prophecy. Jesus must die on a cross. Another motivation for these wicked Jewish leaders here is the plausible deniability in the eyes of the common Jewish folks who had embraced the ministry of Jesus. You'll recall that the point of Jesus' betrayal was to capture Jesus in private, not while he was teaching during the day among the people. That was Judas' deal with the Jewish leaders, a private capture. All the Jewish trials were done during the night while the Jewish people slept. Obviously, the reasoning of the Jewish leaders involved the people waking up on Passover day and seeing Jesus being crucified by Romans, not by Jews. One can safely recognize that those bad old Romans were actually to be the culprits here. Most people would never realize that their Jewish leaders had been the ones who orchestrated the whole ordeal. And that brings us to trial number five in front of Herod Antipas. In verse 6 of Luke chapter 23, we find the following. This is trial number 5, by the way. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged into Herod's jurisdiction, he sent to him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priest and scribe stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men of war set him at naught, mocked him, and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were at enmity between themselves. And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people, said unto them, you have brought this man unto me as one that perverted the people, and, behold, I have examined him before you, have found no fault in this man touching those things whereof you accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and, lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. Now, in the chronology here, Pilate discovers that Jesus is from Galilee and sees a possible opportunity to pass the problem off to Herod Antipas, who was the governor of that region and just happens to be in Jerusalem at this time, apparently for the Passover feast. Only Luke records this incident. doesn't work, however. Herod and his ragtag crew simply mock and torment Jesus before they send him back to Pilate. Luke then records that Pilate explains to the Jewish leadership that neither he nor Herod could find a capital offense regarding Jesus. We saw in Luke chapter 23, verses 2 through 5, that the Jewish leaders were trying to present Jesus to Pilate as a threat to Caesar's authority. However, their presentations failed. At this point, it's Pilate's thinking that he should just chastise Jesus and then release him. Incidentally, notice that Herod arrayed him, Jesus, in a gorgeous robe before sending Jesus back to Pilate. 
Later, the Roman soldiers stripped his robe from Jesus and clothed him with a purple scarlet robe. That's in Matthew chapter 27, verse 28, Mark 15, 17, and John chapter 19, verse 2, which we'll look at in a few moments. That brings us to trial number six. Surely they don't want a murderer released, do they? Well, we'll be looking at Matthew 27, 15 to 26, Mark 15, 6 through 15, Luke 23, 17 to 25, and John 18, beginning with verse 39, down to chapter 19, verse 1. Matthew twenty-seven fifteen. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would, and they had a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now over to Mark's account in Mark chapter 15, verse 6. Now that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, and had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will you that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. But the chief priest moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will you then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Now over to Luke's account of Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 17. For of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast. And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man and release unto us Barabbas who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. Pilate, therefore willing to release Jesus, spake again to them, but they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. 
And the voices of them and of the chief priest prevailed, and Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Now, John only gives this three verses, beginning with John 18, 39, and down through verse 40, and then to chapter 19, verse 1. Verse 39. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Now keep in mind here, the crowd had been transported from the Sanhedrin to Pilate. As a matter of fact, Matthew tells us in verse 18 that Pilate is aware that the real issue here is envy on the part of these Jewish leaders. However, when given the choice between the release of Jesus or the murderer Barabbas, Pilate's certain they'll call for the release of Jesus over a murderer. <laughs> Wrong. There's no morality with these Jewish leaders. Barabbas only threatens their lives, not their livelihoods. Only Matthew records that Pilate's wife weighs in on the controversy. She's had a dream. Pilate, just step away, she says. Hmm, who do I satisfy, my wife or these angry Jews? To whom do I listen? That's when Pilate does the infamous hand-washing thing. Influenced by the Poles, he fails to act on his own moral conscience and his wife's dream. As he washes his hands, look at what he says in verse 24. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person, see ye to it. However, pay careful attention to the reply made by these Jewish leaders in verse 25. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Matthew, Mark, and John then record that Jesus was scourged. Well, Isaiah said there would be a day like this. We'll be looking now at Matthew chapter 27, verses 27 to 30, Mark chapter 15, verses 16 through 19, and John chapter 19, verses 2 and 3. First to Matthew 27, verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. Now over to Mark chapter 15, verse 16. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him and bowing their knees worshipped him. And finally, John writes about this in John chapter 19, verses 2 and 3. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe, and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. 
Well, Matthew, Mark, and John record that the Roman soldiers mocked, spit, and smote Jesus after replacing his robe. Remember the one that Herod had given him previously? They replaced it with a purple scarlet one, and they placed a homemade crown of thorns on his head. What kind of an adult finds this entertaining? These Roman soldiers had no stake in this controversy whatsoever. So why did they do what they did? Well, I tell you, prophecy. Isaiah chapter 53 gives the account of the sufferings of the Messiah had been written down centuries before, and that prophecy had to be fulfilled. This concludes our podcast for today. I am Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker.